Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. Can I just say, I dig that music, I dig that groovy music, and I dig your husband's absolutely insanely gorgeous voice. I'm Prue Warren, uh, an author of very little skill, and my co-host, thank God, has more skill than me. Say your name. I am Meredith Bond, and uh, I am a multi-published author, and I like to talk a lot. I like to listen a lot. I like that it was like, I state your name, right? Come on, you can do it. All right. <laughs> you like to talk about, I like to read a lot. Good. Today, we are discussing a topic that has me sweating, and I think a lot of people sweating, and that is book blurbs. Because you can write a great book, and you can get a great cover. But if your book blurb doesn't suck people in, Goodbye. I mean, it's just and not going to. You won't make a sale. You won't make a sale. And the and the primary thing to remember is that used to be you'd go into a bookstore and you'd pick up the book and you'd flip it over to the back and read the book blurb on the back. But now we're all digital. And what happens is you sign on to Amazon and that same damn book blurb is right there next to the cover. It is inescapable. Nobody gets past the book blurb. You have to have a good book blurb. So, Meredith. We're all desperate to learn. How do you write a decent book blurb? Tell us all. There are many people who will teach you how to write a good book blurb. I have learned from a number of people, and I will share with you what I have pulled from all of this Wonderful teaching. <laughs> I love um, the plan. You do all the work and we'll get the nuggets. That's good. <laughs> good. It's good plan. I like it. Keep going. <laughs> so the first thing, if you're thinking about marketing and what people are going to see is if you imagine that Amazon page, you I'm even going to pull it in, up in front of my face so that I can see it. Yep. Okay. Um, so you've got the title nice and big. You've got the author. And then you have what's called the above the fold section. Oh, that's from. Because that's from, you know, newspapers. It's the part. It's like a paragraph or it's what's visible. a short paragraph. It's what's visible. That's. Exactly. That that's what's visible. Um, so that's first thing that very first above the fold paragraph or one line has to catch your reader's attention. Right. That has to be the number one thing. So when you write catch their attention, as long as you you can, regardless of how long it is, you've got to front load it because Amazon's only going to show. I mean, if I click read more, I can get more. But the, but the critical factor is front load all the juice in the beginning. Yeah. Well, 
at least you need a really fantastic tagline, which didn't we talk about taglines? You're assuming I'm paying attention. I don't remember. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yeah, I do. Actually, Uh, I think we did talk about taglines. I can find out. I'll look back at our own list. So taglines. We sure did. Episode seven. Woo, that was a long time ago. I forgot. I thought so. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you want something really eye-catching. Just looking at a couple of book descriptions on Amazon, um, I pulled up Outlander. And the very first line at the top is number one, New York Times bestseller, now a star's original series. Absolutely. That's pretty hot. That's hard to beat. But it's possible. So right now. Listening, it doesn't have that to say. So it's possible. Right. I mean, I don't have that to say. And so um, I'm going to give you an example of one of mine because I am not a New York Times bestselling author. So I'm going to name drop them. So for my first tagline, my first line of my book description, I say, For fans of Mary Jo Putney and Meredith Duran, an enchanting tale of revenge and the risks people will take in the name of love. Oh, aren't you clever? So I am using the popularity of other authors. If you like Mary Jo Putney, you will like my book, this book. Right? So that's really very brilliant. How does Mary Jo Putney feel about that? I mean, you're an established author with thousands of followers. I'm an utter novice. I mean, I can't go wandering around going, if you like Jennifer Cruzy, hey, you're going to love me. Right? I mean, Jennifer Cruzy's certainly going to, She'll never, first of all, she'll never notice. But if she did, she'd be like, get up, quit using my name. Um, no, actually, usually they don't mind. Because you, you can ask first. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I know Mary Jo Putney, um, but I didn't ask her. I do not know Meredith Duran, and I did ask, also did not ask her. That's so funny because I used to prop up my camera. Meredith Duran. There she is. <laughs> I love her. I, I am a fan of hers, by God. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but see, I don't think that they would mind me dropping their names because... Well, because you're good, but... Um, First of all, romance authors are very generous, first of all. And so I don't think they would mind. Second of all, if I say for fans of Mary Jo Putney and Meredith Duran, maybe the reader is going to say, oh, wow, I haven't read a Meredith Duran in so long. Let me see what she's written recently. And she'll leave me and go over to (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. Plus, then if someone does a search for those names, it's in your book description. So maybe your name's going to come up. Maybe. Is that possible or am I making that up? Um, I think it's possible because um, we do know that the Amazon bots search through your book description for keywords. So there's that. Well, I think that's a so, Yeah. And then after that, I have my actual tagline for the book. Weaving a web of revenge can be satisfying but dangerous to your heart. Oh, that's interesting. Then tagline. And that's even before I get into the description. And, okay, I want to look up on Amazon. Which book are you looking at right now? 
What's I'm looking book? at in an exotic air. And I'm looking at that one. I chose that one specifically because um, I wanted to compare it to the book description of the same book that written by the people at Kensington Publishers where the book was first published. Oh. Aren't I sneaky? What? How are you? What are you doing? Say it again. I was looking at how pretty. When I first, when I first published this book, it was not called an exotic air because it was being published by Kensington Publishers in their uh, Zebra Regency romance line. Okay. They made me change the title and they wrote the book description as all traditional publishers do. Uh They wrote something horrible that I can read to you. Oh, oh, I see what we're doing. Yes. Okay. Hit me. I'm interested. Wait, first I'm going to, I will read to you the, the, the front loaded book description and then you'll read the original one, right? For fans of Putney and Meredith Duran, An enchanting tale of revenge and the risks people will take in the name of love. Weaving a web of revenge can be satisfying, but dangerous to your heart. That's what you put. What did they put? Right. Um, And then it goes into a two-paragraph description. Right. What they put. Yes. They don't have a tagline. All they put is, left a laughingstock of London by a rude aristocrat, beautiful Cassandra Renwick yearns for the fabled land of India, where she finds unexpected love in the arms of Julian Ritchie, the son of an Englishman and an aristocratic Indian woman. Original. I don't know what that original at the end there is, but that's what it says. (laughs) Okay. So that's reassuring because that sucks. Right. It's reassuring. It says that it's the publisher, the the official traditional publisher, who I look up to as the rule setter, right? That's bad. What they've given you is bad. It was bad. And not only that, I have always objected to the phrase, the fabled land of India, because it exists. It's not actually fabled. I've been there. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. Whereas... My description that I wrote, actually, I wrote it with help from my dearest husband with, of the beautiful voice. The beautiful voice. We wrote after I have my hook, my yep. hook ends yep. of, I have my tagline, weaving a web, and then I have two paragraphs of description. Should I read Yeah, it? yeah. Read okay. London society is shallow and cruel. Sending Cassandra Renwick running to Calcutta, India, the exotic seat of the British Raj. It's a fascinating place filled with interesting sights, including the dark and mysterious Julian Ritchie. But she never thought that an even greater heartbreak could be here in this alien and enchanting land. Julian has always been discriminated against for being only half English, but he's not going to take it any longer. He plots an intricate plan for vengeance with the innocent and lovely Cassandra as his pawn. But he soon finds that payback can be painful for the Avenger as well when the threads of revenge unwittingly turn into the silken bonds of love. I'm buying this book. That's awesome. That's really good. Um, it's, It's a little adjective heavy. Oh, I, listen, what is the, what is the diss against adjectives? 
Seriously, why can't you have adjectives? I've, I've been hearing editors say, just take out all the adjectives. I'm like, the adjectives are the juice. I love adjectives. It's gorgeous. So, when the threads of revenge unwittingly turn into the silken bonds of love. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really gorgeous. It makes me want to buy it. So what I do with my book descriptions. So I've got the hook. I've got the tagline. And then I write two paragraphs, one with the heroine's goal, motivation, and conflict, one with the hero's goal, motivation, and conflict. And then sometimes, usually, actually, I'll write a third paragraph that ties them together into another hook for the book, sort of an unanswered question. Yeah, like the silken bonds of love. I mean, that's in in the second paragraph with Julian, but it's still, uh, they're literally tied together. Right. Well, actually, you know that what's interesting about this is you really do have a third paragraph. This is the first book in the Merry Men Quartet, Four Friends Whose Stories Had to Be Told. Look for the other books in the series, Rakes Reward, The Merry Marquis, and The Dandy in Disguise. So right. that's our call to action. Mm-hmm. So ending with a call to action is really important. Basically, you want to say, buy this book and look for the others in the series. Okay. You make it sound pretty simple. I can start with name dropping if I think I can match anybody. Mm -hmm. And then a tagline, one paragraph of the heroine, one paragraph of the hero, tie them together, and then end with a call to action. Simple. It's an easy formula. Let's look at some currently available books. Yes. Let's go look at what Amazon has available under the romance category. Okay. Here's The Hating Game, which has sold a lot of books. Look inside. Okay. It, like, like the other one, USA Today bestseller. That's pretty good. This is long. <laughs> no, no. USA Today bestseller. Debut author Sally Thorne bursts on the scene with a hilarious and sexy workplace comedy all about that thin, fine line between hate and love. She's got a definition of nemesis, a paragraph about the two of them, and a paragraph about their conflict. But she doesn't have a call to action. Hmm. Her her book blurb could be better. (laughs) That's okay for me to say because she's a U.S. Times bestseller and will never, ever hear me. I just randomly picked on one of the um, books you may like. Good. What'd you get? I got Captain's Midwinter Bride. Okay. And she does, she does not have the call to action, uh, the, the tagline at the beginning. She just starts right in. First paragraph is the hero's goal, motivation, and conflict. Second paragraph is the heroine's goal, motivation, and conflict. Third paragraph sums it up and provides you with the call to action, with the teaser. What is, what is the call to action? What's it say? It says, when past secrets and misunderstandings threaten the tenuous steps they've taken to create a real and loving marriage, can Philip and Annalise overcome the years they spent apart to forge a happy future together and for every Christmas to come? Okay, so call to action in this case does not say read my book. It just poses the question that makes you want to finish. It's not really a call to action. Right, it's not. 
Let's uh, let me look at Courtney Milan. She writes really beautiful books. I'm going to call. I'm going to say end with a call to action or an unanswered question, because I'm looking. I'm looking at um, Nora Roberts. Yeah. What does Nora but say? She doesn't have the same requirements that you and I do, especially me, because pretty much if it says Nora Roberts, someone's going to buy it. Right. She begins with a quote from the AP about how great her books are. Mm. And then she's got a really long description. It's four paragraphs. What one? Including including the testimonial. One, two, three, four, five, six um, paragraphs. Wow. As finally she would return to Los Angeles, gathering the courage to act again and get past the trauma that had derailed her life. What she didn't yet know was the two seeds had been planted that long ago night, one of a greater love and one of a terrible vengeance. Hmm. It's an unanswered question. So I'm with you on that. I think you have to an- you have to end with an unanswered question. Or an unanswered question or a really snappy teaser. Uh, looking at Courtney Milan's The Duke Who Didn't. Oh good. It has it has the same first paragraph about her, second paragraph about him, third paragraph together, and then it ends with only one thing can go wrong. Everything. <laughs> Okay, I've got Debbie McComer has a book called Thursdays at Eight. Uh-huh. Once again, she's got a famous name. So two, three, four, five. She's got six paragraphs, but they're like one or two sentences. They're short. And her last one is over a meal and coffee, the friends talk, tell their stories, and offer each other encouragement and unfailing support. They share the truths they've discovered about their lives. Which that's not very enticing. But I think the point is that she writes a fairly gentle, vampires very rarely leap out of Debbie McComer's books and bite you. Um, Maybe that's what people want. Maybe we have to think in genre terms. Mm, Good point. Yeah, because she spends one, two, three, four of these chapters are, are the characters. Claire has just been through a devastating divorce. Elizabeth is a successful professional. Karen is in her 20s. Julie is turning 40 this year. They, they each one, perhaps the setup for the, the stress happens in the earlier paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. All right. Well, I think that tells you a lot about the book and what you can expect. That is an excellent point because that is exactly what you want is some hint of what you can expect. Here's a book that does that in spades. I'm not going to read it, but all it is, is a first person narrative. So it's giving you, it's, it's just the start of the book. It's kind of the start of the book, but it's a teaser. And does it end well? Does it end with, I must finish my, that sentence. I must finish that thought. Because things aren't like they were four years ago. And this time we don't have the option of parting ways when the sun comes up. I'd say that's an unfinished question. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's interesting to me how, how similar the goal of the book blurb is with our previous discussion on hooks. Yes. Can you put it down or do you have to keep going? Right. That is absolutely vital because that's what you want is to make it so that the reader has to buy the book. You know, I... Just yesterday, I had plans for everything that I was going to do. I had 
great plan, so it's going to get a lot done. And I happen to pick up, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Doesn't write romance. In fact, he's pretty bad at romance. Mm-hmm. But he's the best storyteller on the planet. And I'm going to look at the blurb for this, this book he wrote called Later, which is short. It's supernatural. But, oh, my God, the guy. I couldn't put it down. Right? <laughs> I lost my entire Sunday to this book. And I'm just thinking, what did he do for his blurb? And I'm sure he probably hires people to write his blurbs for him. But once again, he started he started a testimonial. Uh-huh. And best-selling author Stephen King. Sometimes growing up means facing your demons. Later is Stephen. This is the second paragraph. Later is Stephen. The last paragraph. Later is Stephen King at his finest. A terrifying and touching story of innocence lost and the trials that test our sense of right and wrong. With echoes of King's classic novel, It. Ah, there's a bump back. Later is a powerful. Uh, haunting, unforgettable exploration of what it takes to stand up to evil in all the faces it wears. Interesting. <laughs> Strong recommend. I do think that it's sort of unfair to check out book blurbs of famous authors. We need to check out book blurbs of less famous authors because mm-hmm. I can't say New York Times best, USA Today bestseller. I can't say that. And right. there. My theory is most people listening can't. It is true. Let me look up. Here's one with 12,000 reviews. House of Earth and Blood, Crescent City, book number one. A New York Times, number one New York Times bestseller. Sarah J. Ma's brand new Crescent City series begins with House of Earth and Blood. Half fae, half human. Goes on for a long time. Last paragraph, with unforgettable characters, sizzling romance, and page-turning suspense, this richly inventive new fantasy series by number one New York Times bestselling author Sarah J. Moss delves into the heartache of loss, the price of freedom, and the power of love. That's a good tagline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I'm going to look up Sin in the Peanut Butter Cup. Uh-huh. I did on my blurb. Yes, Peanut Cup, open, open, open. Uh, here's a good example of uh, an author who really takes good advantage of the above the fold. Okay. Okay. So this is um, somebody who writes cozy mysteries. Uh, so at the top, she has her what's tagline. In case we love huh? it, what's the what's the book? Okay, the book is um, Deep Dish Pizza Disaster which is a cast iron skillet mystery. Okay. Welcome to Levensport, Ohio, where death takes a delicious turn. That's her tagline. And above the fold, all it says is, no, he's not the father. You're all wrong. The father is. Read more. Oh, (laughs) is that clever? And then you have to click read more. (laughs) All right. I'm going to read you Sin in the Peanut Butter Cup. Yes. Love, laughter, and short-term memory loss. When a sweet old lady's mysterious past draws her young caretaker into a wild ride, they drag a hot FBI agent along with them. Sin didn't know caring for Maddie would require car chases, and Reese never thought an old lady could steal his gun. Cynthia loves being Maddie's caregiver. Watching over a slightly senile senior is a piece of cake after. Read more. (laughs) Good. So I'm okay. I'm, I feel like I'm okay. Yeah, I think you're fine. Here's what I'm writing down. Front load, the juicy part. Right. 
And if you don't want to name authors, you can do something. Um, I just clicked on Last Hang Standing, which is an editor's pick romance. And instead of naming the authors, she names books. So she said it says Crazy Rich Asians meets Bridget Jones's diary in this funny, irresistible debut novel about the pursuit of happiness, surviving one's 30s intact and opening oneself up to love. That's really so smart. So a lot of authors will do that. They'll name books or movies that people are very familiar with and say, this is like that. Movies too. That's really clever. Okay, name mm-hmm. dropping. Authors or books or movies. Okay. Okay. And taglines, which interested listeners can go back and listen to what you taught me about taglines long, long ago, episode seven. I think I said before, but I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taglines, episode seven. And then your your description really can be quite long. I guess that would depend on your confidence, right? Because, I mean, Nora Roberts went on for six paragraphs. Yeah, I think that's that's unusually long. But is there a disadvantage? I mean, as long as you get people to the read more, as long as people click read more, do you think it's a disadvantage to have a long book description? Obviously, it's not what you're going to print on the back of the of the print book, but it's interesting to think right. that in the digital world, we're not limited to one or two paragraphs. It is very true. That's a good point. But how much also do you want to give away? You don't want to give away the entire story. You want to tease the reader with it, with hints of the story. So that's why more is not always better. Yeah, more is not always better. I'm thinking about people who did um, the romance, Washington romance writers had their annual retreat recently, and it included opportunities for people to have eight minutes in front of an editor or an agent where you pitch your book. And for many new writers, eight minutes is both excruciatingly long and also not nowhere near long enough to tell your story. So the question is, can you shape it into two paragraphs or maybe three paragraphs that become irresistible? If you need more than two or three paragraphs, perhaps you have not honed your description, your teaser, as, as, as tightly as you could. Yes. So those who exactly. have long book descriptions... Uh, are either super confident, like Nora Roberts, or uh, are 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 experiencing flabby writing, need to tighten up a little. <laughs> I mean, is that is that a legitimate theory? Or maybe they're just they're giving too much away. I didn't look at Nora Roberts' book description. Maybe let me pull one up. I'm just thinking see. that it is a different world, and when when we are we are we are. Uh, tr- framed by generations of published paperback novels to write a two or three paragraph book description. But maybe as Amazon has taken over and as so many people are reading digitally, maybe there's room for longer book descriptions that would never fit on the back of a print copy. I don't know the answer, obviously. I cannot disagree with you. Well, I think that's very interesting. I Um, wish there was a test it. I wish we could 
I mean, maybe you should write a really long book description for Amazon US and a short book description for Amazon UK and see what happened. Of course, that would pre-assume you sell a lot of books in both countries. You do, don't you? You sell in both. Um, I I sell both, but I sell many, many, many more in the US. So there's really no way to test. No. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna unless start you do I'm gonna ask. You have your one book description up for like three months and then the other book description up in the same place for three months. Yeah, but your your tidal wave, your your goal is to sell a lot when you first come out. I mean, that's when your steady readers buy your book. So it's harder to say it's the book description. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's a very interesting question. And from now on, I'm going to be watching to see who's writing long and who's writing short and see how they're sent yeah. to. Because maybe mm-hmm. this is another thing that's evolving. So it's there. a good thought. Meredith the hard Bond. part, of course, is that yeah, go ahead. If you have to, if you have a really long book description on Amazon, you're going to have to have it a summary or a, a, you know a shorter version for the back of your book. Yeah, you will. But you have thousands of readers. Do you sell more e or print? Oh, much, much more e. See. Well, I sell I, hardly any print. Me too, with my 600 purchases. <laughs> Almost all of them are E. Um, right. So the world has changed. Publishing has gone digital. I think we need to all start thinking, maybe I write a longer book description. Maybe things have changed. Yeah. So there. So there. You have the final word, Prue. <laughs> my God. All right. <laughs> Then here's what I have to say. Next week, we're talking about archetypes. And I'm very interested because at the Washington Romance Writers Retreat, I learned J.T. Bach and Mary Strand uh, did a session on um, being funny. And they mentioned comedy archetypes, and I've never heard of that. So I'm very interested in what you have to teach me about archetypes. So yay. Um, We had some comments on our podcast, didn't we? Did we? We did. Brenda commented. We love Brenda. We do love Brenda. She's a sweetie. (laughs) Oh, she was talking about um, her genre because she had read, uh, listened to the genre podcast. uh, Podcast. Wait, let me see. Where is it? Yeah, sure. Catch me flat footed here. Brenda said, I write speculative, mystery, romantic suspense. I call it genre-bending fiction. (laughs) So I would be interested in knowing, and I hope Brenda will answer this question, when she gets a cover design, which kind of cover is she going for? Because she's got four genres in that list. So who is she marketing? How does she design her covers? That's an excellent question because that will depend, that will determine who buys her books, whether she gets more speculative romance readers or more suspense readers. And they're very different styles of cover. So she was speculative, suspense. Um, here's the here's the great thing about Brenda, fabulous as she is. She has joined us on the Writer's Block Party podcast Discord server. So yes. instead of waiting three weeks until this podcast is 
broadcast, we can actually ask her and report back next week. There you we go. Can ask server and get the answer back next week. So another reason for our listeners to tune in next week. It's like a book. It's unanswered question. Oh my God. <laughs> well done. You'd, you'd like the, the read more now, wouldn't you, listener? All right. All right, Meredith. It also encourages them to join our Discord. It does encourage them to join our Discord server, which all they have to do is send an email to mary at meredithbond.com. Mm-hmm. Or M-A-R-Y-M-E-R-R-Y. Now, they yes. can't send it to me because I don't have rights to give it to them. They just send it to you. You're the one who can let people in. I can't let anybody in. That's probably appropriate. You do it. They'll send it to you. They can come on the Discord server and chat with us, and we would like that very much. Uh, or leave a question on the writersblockpartypodcast.com or rank us and recommend us on wherever you've gotten your podcast because we dig that big. All right, Meredith, we're done for this week because I have to go look at book blurbs. Okay. All right. Good luck with that. Have fun. Let's listen to the lovely Arup do our closing, our closing <laughs> sentence. See you next week, Mary. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.